to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We're back for another Express Post. This one is coming to you a little bit late. It's been another travel day for Team TFP. So um, we will keep this one short and sweet for you all. But we're very excited to be talking more Women's World Cup as the group stage comes to its conclusion. So yesterday was a big day for the group stage actually so there is plenty to talk about but before we begin we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today the Wurundjeri and Yuggera people and pay our respects to their elders past and present. You've got your two favourite members of the Far Post on today me Marissa Lordanik and Angela Christian Wilkes. So people uh, were going to be expecting melon when you said that. <laughs> that's true I'm sorry to deceive you all like that um but no, you've got me and Angela today. And to be fair, we've got two in particular really interesting games to talk about um, from yesterday's games, even though there were four games overall. So I will quickly just recap ye old results from yesterday. I think the big one in terms of scoreline that we will obviously talk about first was England 6, China 1, which is... Just absolute madness. Uh, the other game in that group was Haiti nil Denmark 2. So it's Denmark and England heading through to the round of 16. We also had the conclusion of Group E yesterday. So we had the Netherlands just spanking Vietnam 7-0 and the United States and Portugal playing out a scoreless draw. So like I said, lots of intrigue there. The Netherlands and the US go through from that group, um, but the Netherlands are going through first, which is... Interesting, because I don't think anyone would have picked that in the lead up to this. But we're going to start, like I said, with the biggest game, the biggest scoreline of yesterday's matches and the game that Angela was at. So England 6, China 1. Tell us about your great adventure in Adelaide and watching the Lauren James show live. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I bought tickets to this game once it was confirmed because I just I love Hindmarsh Stadium I think it's the second best stadium in um well rectangular yeah second best in Australia and um last year Sam and I went to the FIBA so the Basketball World Cup and China and the US played in the final for that and the uh Chinese fans just brought the atmos so i was like i want to be there for that knowing also that there would probably be a lot of england fans um yes so i did a whistle stop trip to radelaide I, I don't need to go into what i did in adelaide not much you know they don't have 7-elevens in adelaide <laughs> i was you, shocked and appalled you said this in the group chat and i was like surely not that just sounds fake the lack of 7-elevens they don't they don't have 7-Elevens and 7-Elevens are like my you know emotional support girl dinner spot you know so that that's threw me off a little bit but anyway um yeah and I was I kind of went my prediction for this game is one nil to England just kind of going off what we've seen so far of them at this tournament Kira Walsh being um ruled out to play in this particular game and um yeah I don't know just I suppose I 
thought China would do a bit better than they did. But yeah, I, I, the thing that everyone's kind of been talking about is the change in formation. And um, as I've discussed on this podcast, I too have experienced the change to the back three. Um, in State League Three, we haven't uh, we haven't gone out and spanked anyone like England spanked China last night. But you know, um, I I I I understand what's going on vaguely there, and uh, yeah, it it really paid off for England. Um, amazing like I was behind the goal and I got to see the first two Lauren James bangers just yeah there was just this funny moment um so was it the first one came off maybe it was the second one the second one came off a free or a corner can't remember exactly no it was a corner corner anyway go watch the highlights if you want the specifics anyway and um the one of the guys sitting next to me, he was like, oh, they're not like China aren't defending well here. They've left, they've left her open. And as he was saying that the ball kind of bobbled out, fell to Lauren James's feet and she just curled it in like sensational. And I was like, ah, yes, that man is correct. <laughs> the pundit is correct. Um, yeah. So obviously she had a fantastic game. Um, but I think, yeah, the, the change to, the back three, Serena Wagman talked about it. it. It did all the things that they wanted to do. They were able to kind of retain possession and time their attacks with the back three. And honestly, I'm surprised. Well, actually, I'm not too surprised that they haven't done it before, given that she is quite a, she's a creature of habit. Um, and she's found things that have worked previously and has kind of stuck with them. You know, why mess with the formula if it's working? But obviously the results so far for England, they, they needed to mix, mix things up. And, um, yeah, but when I look at this England squad on paper, they're not very defense heavy so, per se, like in terms of like out and out center backs. Um, so, but they do have a lot of like, yeah, power and players who can run really fast and who can kind of get between the spaces. So it made, it makes more sense to kind of like, yeah, have that, that, power down well yeah free up a a lucy bronze to have the freedom to to run down the flank and and pop it in but um yeah aside from lauren james uh i was really impressed by lauren hemp as well i thought that it really complemented what she can bring to the table and uh jess carter as in that in that center back role um i know that she's an interesting one people are like she's rated highly as an underrated player which I think is just that she's rated highly at this point or like she's just not rated in like with the folks that need to rate her highly like coaches I suppose but a fan favorite um I think she did really well um yeah and it they just England looked very confident very composed on the ball um and and dominated and I know like as a as a well I was there in an England uh top supporting England but I did want China to get something out of it as well and so probably not the most exciting game um also like yeah the Chinese fans they're very organized um which I love uh they can really rally and they can get a chant going English fans you kind of not as much I don't know they're, they're all right but um what I did find interesting about the China, like the the kind of pockets of um, Chinese supporters 
they did not want to do the Mexican wave. And for that, I support them. They were, <laughs> they were not engaging with that. Um, but yeah, uh, sorry, that was a bit of a dither, but yeah, a good game all in all. And yeah, there's a couple of questions that I kind of have come away from with the formation, um, that I'm not too sure if they've been addressed yet by Serena, but if they'll keep with the back three and also if Kira Walsh is good to play, which they've been very cagey about and they're not saying anything at the moment, but if she is good to play where she would kind of fit in, um, because yeah, I don't, I don't know. They did really well without her, but at the same time, like you have to, you have to think that she would be able to put, be put somewhere in this kind of formation and utilize well. I'm thinking prob- maybe as the middle center back, even though that feels a bit weird, but they're definitely like meant to be more of a playmaker in that setup and can push forward a little bit more. But at the same time, you have like someone like a Georgia Stanway in the middle of the park that can press a lot and brings the feral and is able to like push for turnovers and that kind of thing. So I don't know if she'd be better as like moving into that space. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but yeah, a lot to much to think about. I'm, I'm intrigued to see how they'll set up against Nigeria. And if also, if they do, if it's the kind of, I don't know, I feel like Nigeria could expose them in a back three a lot more than um, China did last night so also Casey Robelt was the referee so made in the dub baby I was very happy with that um and there was a moment with the VAR decision I don't know if people saw on the broadcast where like she was about to announce it and it crackled she's like can you hear me and it just like it was like back to 2020 like zoom kind of nostalgia I was like is actually that's me every day on the pod come to think of it with my tech problems so I thought that was quite funny. Anyway, so that was what I did. Uh, good times, classic hits. It sure is. Um, Casey's Can You Hear Me did come through on the broadcast and we all had a little chuckle at that as well. Um, also, she she did not endear herself to one Lucy Bronze. It looks like uh, Lucy snubbed her for a handshake post-match after the... Um, the yellow card for the the handball, um, so that's a lot a lot of uh, handshake snubs happen in this World Cup. Um, but no, you're it, right. It's. It, I was just gonna say the offside call as well. Mm. That I hope it wasn't for that because I was like Lucy, you're literally walking, babe. Like you're so far <laughs> offside, and it. I get why. Like I agree with that particular call for the for the VAR. Mm. Um, but anyway, yes, the the handball may be a bit more contentious, but yeah, Lucy did not have a great she, night with Casey. She, she didn't have a great night with Casey, but I thought she had a lot of fun playing as the wing back, like especially in that first half. I felt like she was like 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 a puppy that got let off the leash because it was finally in the dog park and was allowed to just roam wherever it wanted. Um, And I think obviously that was also a really good way of getting Rachel Daly into the lineup and getting her in a role where obviously we know she's a really good left back. Like she's a Euros winning left back, but she's also a WSL golden boot. 
So like having her as the wing back seemed to somehow strike the balance between those two things for her. Um, it was, um, we were having a conversation about this last night on ESPN FC. So it was myself, um, friend of the pod, Julian Leron, and ESPN's Mark Ogden. And we were talking about like, obviously this was a really impressive performance from the Lionesses, the three five two seemed to work particularly in that um first half and it it just made a lot of logical sense particularly in the absence of Kira Walsh to have everything as it was um but it's like how much can you actually take from that against China because China were just not good and I said this last night as well it was really interesting that of the Asian nations it's the two uh Asian cup finalists who are out in the group stage having shown very little to put it politely obviously South Korea still have a game to play but like um Japan who were out in the semi-finals are currently just like blowing everyone out of the water and Australia has obviously really bounced back since the whole Asian cup debacle but um yeah China I I don't remember it sorry (laughs) Asian cup I hardly know her um but yeah, no, so it's um I was quite bullish on like what England did in this, but I do think it is worth um I suppose just recognizing, yeah, the the resistance put up by the Chinese defense. Um but yeah, I think we need to just talk a little bit more about Lauren James, because holy shit, she's a child, <laughs> like she's a baby, and she's just so good and everything she does is so good because in this game alone she had two goals two assists and it's like you absolute freak of nature what the hell um and the like the funnest thing about watching her is that everything she does obviously has a fairly high level of either like technique or difficulty or just intelligence that needs to be executed and she makes it look like she's just running around on a Sunday in a park. Like she makes it all look so easy and effortless and like she's not even trying. And yet if I went and tried to do what she did because I watched her and thought to myself, oh, yeah, I could do that, I would fall flat on my ass. Like it's not funny how good she is at football. Um, so, yeah, I just That's really- the downside of, you know, these players inspiring uh, common folk like you and I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're meant to inspire the kids, not we- the twenty-seven-year-olds. Because um, I can't, no, I can't. they should inspire the twenty-seven-year-olds as well. But you're right; like there is a lot of um, falling on your ass involved <laughs> when you're not Lauren James. I just yeah, but um, I I will instead sit on my couch and simply rewatch the highlights and enjoy talking about her game and her performance and what more she can do because like that's the other thing I can't remember now if she's 20 or 21 but there is still so much football ahead of her not just in this tournament but like in her career and I'm just like yes I am ready to be a Lauren James stand for life basically um but yeah like I said the, the result meant that England topped the group. They take on Nigeria, like you just said. That is going to be a really fascinating contest. I I do think Kira Walsh's availability, availability basically decides what formation they roll out with because I can't see them keeping the back three if Walsh is back in. 
And then obviously the other game, like I said, was Denmark 2, Haiti 0, a Penilla Harder double. Are you shocked? Are you surprised? No, um, is the answer to that question. It also means that we now face Denmark in the round of 16. So, um, excuse me, that's going to be... That's going to be an interesting contest. I reckon we can talk a little bit more about that uh, once we get closer to it. But what is your what is your initial thought on facing Denmark? I am happier facing Denmark than facing England at mm. this point. So yeah. suits me. Yeah, <laughs> suits me just fine. Um, and I don't, I, I don't. I don't want to be. Uh, yeah, I don't want to be too rude, but I. I don't rate do I is this terrible stuff to be doing before we go into a game with them? Am I gonna get egg on my face? Probably. Um uh, but I just I don't I my thing with Denmark is I'm like, where's the sauce? Mm. To quote my favorite man Manu. Where's the flavour? Like what is going on? What what is their game plan and what and the, I can't believe I have never said that on this pod before because for those I who don't know, like Manufidel, <laughs> celebrity chef Manufidel is actually, I've got a bit of a soft spot for him. Anyway, and he says, where is this sauce? A lot. So that's that's my question about Denmark. Also, Marissa's losing it because we are both kind of uh, in tired sleepy time um, yeah. running on like, you know, four brain cells. So it's probably not that funny for our listeners. But anyway, <laughs> anyway that's my thing with Denmark is like I don't see them having very creative options um, available. I don't know if they've won the games that they've won based on, well, how many games have they won actually? They've won. Can't, can't have been that. It... Mm. They beat. China and they beat Haiti and I don't remember what happened against England but I've got one nil in my head because I from memory before those games yesterday every result in that group had been one nil yes you're correct so it was like yes they lost one nil to England which probably said more about England than Denmark and then like mm-hmm. yeah I, I vaguely it was a bit of a boring game um <laughs> And yeah, like one nil, they beat China one nil. So, in terms of like attacking outlets, it's really just mm. harder, and and making sure that you get the ball to harder. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I think we anyway. We'll get into that closer to the tournament. But um, yeah. yeah. Again, I just they're not particularly inspiring or interesting to me at this point in time. And I'm uh, I'm sorry. I watched a lot of them at the Euros. I really had hope, but there's. Mm. Not much has changed. The the question kind of feels like who would win in a fight? One giant Peniel Harder or like a tiny army of Hayley Razo, Caitlin Ford, Mary Fowler, Courtney Vine, Sam Kerr, pending the CAF's cooperation in participating in this World Cup. Um, and I think I would take the tiny army. But, um, yeah, let's move right along because um, we really got sidetracked with the manoeuvre thing to me. Um, I'm just going to giggle about that for the rest of the day. But let's talk about Group E instead. 
Um, holy shit. The Netherlands basically said, up yours, Vietnam, which, like, ruled if you were a Dutch fan and absolutely sucked if you were a Vietnam fan. But real, I, in terms of scoreless draws, it's not that this scoreless draw between the US and Portugal was, like, entertaining in the traditional sense of a entertaining scoreless draw. It was entertaining because of how close the US actually came to crashing out in the group stage for the first time ever. And in the end, it was literally the width of the post that kept them in the competition. Mm. It was Anna Capetta's um, shot uh, late in the second half. Uh, I literally read that a listener was asked um, about what she thought when that uh, ball hit the post. And she's like, it was the most beautiful sound I've ever heard, like the clunk of the ball into the post. But um, <clears throat> pardon me. Your thoughts, your vibes on this US team, this draw, like everyone's basically saying there are a lot of red flags popping up here about their title defence. Like are you subscribing to that as well or are you still thinking, no, they're the US, they'll pull their finger out and actually just go and win again? So, yeah, we did discuss pre-pod. Um what what areas of the internet we we could see this podcast going and the consequence of the podcast maybe going in particular areas, say US Men's National Team Soccer Twitter. Anyway, so I'm I'm gonna tiptoe maybe a little bit, but I feel like a lot of the stuff that I've seen, like obviously I'm you're gonna see a lot from on on the tweet line about this game because yes, it was a surprise moment perhaps but at the same time I don't think it necessarily I it's a lot of looking inward right and people looking at what the US did um and where things have gone wrong and what Blacko did wrong and what the players did wrong um you know according to Carly Lloyd not somehow not putting their whole bussy into being overly confident but also not being arrogant, which is an interesting thing to be lectured about arrogance from Carly Lloyd. But anyway, I I, I digress. Um, More that I – yeah, I just think it's – maybe it's not about you, babes. Like I think a real a theme in this tournament and I think the thing that's going to come out of it for a lot of people is that people – like nations and teams are catching up. And um, I am happy to say, like, I underestimated Portugal and I have a lot of respect for what they did because, again, they you're coming up against the world number one who have this huge track record. I think a lot of people would be assuming that they couldn't do what they did and they just seemed completely immune to that, I think, to that perception of how big the US are and I feel I really do feel for them like there was when it was a nil all draw as um I was watching the last little bit at the pub with friend of the pod Amy and she meant sorry at um a library with friend of the pod Amy and uh she she noted that it's like that that scoreline is going to be so much more heartbreaking than getting thumped for nil because they came so 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 close but yeah anyway too long didn't read I think it's it might be a you know a a combination of things that are going 
perhaps not as well as planned for this US team. But at the same time, like this, this is a very competitive World Cup. Um, and yeah, maybe I'm just curious as to how they're going to come out of this and if they're going to respond like the US or, and, you know, come out guns blazing round of 16 or if this is a more like, or if it's like such a rut or like such a kind of setback mentally for the team that they're not able to do that. But I will say it did look, again, to Carly Lloyd's credit, they did seem very kind of the vibe around how they were playing and seemed quite anxious. Like normally you'd think that, you know, Alex Morgan doesn't get the shot on target or whatever in front of goal. Big moment that she just kind of brush it off and like go for the next one but they seemed very in their own heads and I wonder if that's the kind of run-on effect of the draw against the Netherlands and again it's like that's not just about you guys that's also about the Netherlands are back in form and they're a really good team like you things can change a lot can change in four years so I don't know yeah that's kind of my take on it um and I don't want to go too far into I, – I don't want to engage necessarily with the diagnosis. Um, I'm sure there's, like, a lot of people out there who are doing that deep dive into the different things. I've seen stuff on Twitter about, like, passing completion and, like, the there was a really interesting graphic I saw about how, like, Portugal were playing and the, the movement that they were creating versus the US. But I find it really hard to be, like – because I – with that stuff it's just a snapshot it can't really tell the whole story and yeah would i'm just here for the vibes baby so anyway does that answer the question i can't remember what the question was to be Mm. fair my question was (laughs) um in terms of my thoughts on this game kika nazareth baller knows how to play ball loved that portugal was simply not afraid of the us like you said like i think that's in terms of like the overall health of women's football globally, you can have like a healthy respect for a team. And I think everyone does have that for the US because you would be silly if you didn't. But no one's there quaking in their boots at the prospect of a US women's national team anymore. And that's a good thing for women's football globally. It's obviously not good for the US because they're having an existential crisis about who they are at the moment because of it um and similarly to you I don't want to get into what's wrong with this US team because I think that should be left to the American far post and all of their equivalents um because there are a lot of very intelligent people in and around US football who Mm. will know these things and I listened to a couple of pods um today just on the plane ride back up to Brisbane um And they were talking about everything from mentality, the generational divide in this team, youth development, the role of the NWSL in the US women's national team. What actually is Vlatko Andonovsky's game plan? Does he actually know what to do with this team? Can they rely on the exceptional individuals that they have to pull them out of this hole? But then what does that mean for future generations once those players leave? Like, there were so many facets and aspects and it reminded me a lot of excuse me um 
it reminded me a lot of kind of the fallout post-Asian Cup for us, obviously on a much grander scale just because of who they are compared to um, Australia. But, like, it seemed like a lot of the same themes of just, like, what is going on? What is happening? How do we diagnose this? And everyone basically had six different options for what was actually wrong with this team. Um, The only thing I feel like I can offer with any certainty is just, like, I can't even begin to imagine the pressure of being like the US coach and the US team that potentially fails. And I do quote marks with failing because for them failure would be like not making the final, you know, like because that's how high their expectations are. And I just wonder like if like obviously for like a a Rapino and a Morgan and an O'Hara and all of those players who have won World Cups and won gold medals and shit like that, they probably don't feel this burden in the same way that Vlatko does because he hasn't won, like his current biggest win with this team is the CONCACAF W Championships, which is not a gold medal and is not a World Cup. Um, And I also just worry about like the younger generation of players, like do they feel that weight of history? Is that like weighing them down basically? I don't know, but. um, I think it's. My my kind of question coming out of it as well is like obviously this is spun, you know, the the circle the it spun people out basically, um, and it is kind of like oh my god that's so cute like second place in your group, oh. but like <laughs> you I get it I get it, um, but at the same time I wonder for as like similarly what happened with the Asian cup. I think that those moments of reflection are really important because as long as it's kind of sustained and, you know, you're having a hard look at what's going on in your country and what's going on in terms of infrastructure and and where things can be improved and you take that energy and you actually go and improve them. Like, I don't know, like they still going to be having those conversations. Actually. Yeah. I'm sure there's, I'm a hundred percent sure. There's a lot of people who will always be looking to see where things can improve. Da, 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 da. But for a poor showing, like, for, what does that mean for US, like, for soccer in the US, for women and girls, if the US women's national team do, you know, in, in quotation marks, a poor job at this tournament? That's kind of what I'm curious about, given they are such a powerhouse and they are, in terms of off the field, the de- well, yeah, the development around this squad and the development of soccer for women and girls in the US is, you know, quite quite far ahead from a lot of the rest of the world um what does like a step back or a mean and I also my mind was going to like the cultural side of things as well um thankfully we don't have to kind of deal with that toxicity here but in terms of like you know Megan Rapino kneeling and the stuff that that kind of kicked off I feel like when you take away success as well will that make it feel like they're not they're even less entitled to be having those conversations and to have players um be taking on act like be being activists and, and that kind of thing because of the kind of political climate there which is again I'm I'm not the person to understand that or diagnose what will happen there but that 
as again, I think we sort of have similar parallels, not the same thing in Australia as like when the Matildas do badly, what does this actually mean on a broader scale and who is this going to impact and what kind of culture wars is this going to kick off that will cause harm to people that it shouldn't cause harm to. And that's obviously like, it would just be nice not to have the culture wars in the first place, but it's going to happen um, and you can't help but not be thinking about it. So anyway, that that's my question. Um, I can probably go dig in and find an answer, but at the same time, we won't know until the tournament plays out. Um, but yeah, interesting times. Um, I am, yeah, I, I'm kind of like in two minds about it because I, I would like the US to not do well at this tournament because it's time to shake things up and it's time for something new to happen. But at the same time, you know, I, I get it. Like it sucks to be in that position and be like, ah, what's going on? So yeah, just go outside guys, touch grass for a little bit. It's going to be okay. (laughs) It's summer over there. Go get some vitamin D. You'll be fine. Sit near a body of water. It worked in the olden days. It'll work now. Don't judge like things from 3 a.m. You know, oh, like, that, we we get that. If there is <laughs> when one you're thing a we bad can result, offer that, just go to bed. Go to bed, have a nice sleep. Shit post. Come back to it later. But do not try and answer anything because it's not the time. It's simply not the time. Yeah. Um, I will say as well. So the arguably my favorite part of this the way that this group panned out was that because the US finished second, apparently the schedule had been designed in such a way that it was always working to the assumption that the US would finish first and therefore the kickoff time was like suited to a prime time American audience. But now the Netherlands will be in prime time and the US will be in the middle of the night and apparently everyone from TV executives to just regular fans are losing their goddamn minds that they now have to wake up in the middle of the night to watch football. And I have been saying this literally for maybe two years now. I drink every single North American tier about the shit, quotation mark, kickoff times. Y'all can suffer. I do not care. Like, have a sulk, basically. But... But Marissa, Marissa, what? In saying all this, okay, let's contend. We're gonna have Americans regrouping in Melbourne Central Station, okay? I <sighs> steer clear, <Sorry>. steer clear. <laughs> yeah, that's. I don't know for people who don't know Melbourne Central Station. I don't it's, know who designed it. It's not good, but I don't like them. I really don't like them. I, I try to avoid like going into this like the middle bit like the actual shopping centre part of that. Actually, the whole station is just terrible. Mm -hmm. So you throw clusters of American soccer fans regrouping at the bottom of escalators into the mix. Oh, I don't – they're going to get so confused on the trams. They're going to get so confused. Actually, I'm pretty sure I had this conversation or friend of the pod Dale put this in a group chat. The Americans aren't going to understand a my key. They don't know what a MyKey is. They're not going to be able to buy a MyKey. They're not going to understand that they have to buy the little plastic card. Oh. Like, 
because you can't just buy a single trip. You've got to buy the whole yeah, last Mikey. Yeah, to be fair, the Mikey system is very is stupid, but we it's won't get into good. that. Um, not my journey. Not my journey. <laughs> not my journey. Anyway, this has really derailed. I'm so sorry. Um, but yes, uh, obviously we will have another pod tomorrow discussing the conclusion of two more groups. So we're recording on a Wednesday. It's almost 6 p.m., um, so we've got Argentina, Sweden and South Africa, Italy currently playing. We will obviously talk about those results tomorrow. And we will also have Panama, France and Jamaica, Brazil. So Pedfra and Jambra for those playing along at home. Um, so lots of fun, lots of excitement to come. Is there anything else you would like to talk about today, Angela? No, I'm good. I think I'm just spitting out because I realise I don't actually know what my own travel plans are at the moment. <laughs> anyway, I'm like, where am I on the 6th of August? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, uh, oh, that's 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 an interesting choice. Yeah, I'd set everything up so I had to pick between the Sydney round of 16 or the Melbourne round of 16. Mm-hmm. Ooh, oh boy. Yeah. Sorry, derailed again. Yeah. People don't need to see the inner workings of my mind. But they don't need to get a sneak into the spreadsheet. Um, there is one final thing that I wanted to mention from today and I retweeted it and it was uh, Marta's press conference uh, from yesterday and she got asked a question about her legacy and everything and basically she's answering this question while crying Everyone in the room is crying. If you watch the video, you will also cry because if there is one thing Marta knows how to do besides play football, it is just give the most eloquent, profound answer to a question and just like stir up passion and feeling inside like very few footballers I've ever seen. So please go watch Marta's response to the question about her legacy and have a little sook. It's okay. You are allowed to have a little cry um, because I definitely did while I was watching this in my hotel room in Brisbane. Um, And, yeah, we love Marta. We have no choice but to stand Marta. So um, I think that is us done for today. This one really ballooned. Um, I blame the Manu chat, to be honest. (laughs) But, uh... That's it. Thank you so much for tuning in. (coughs) I inhaled too sharply. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we're over on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. We are on Spotify and Apple. I know a couple of people have mentioned that there's some issues with Google Podcasts, so we're looking into it. Um, But, yeah, wherever you get your podcasts, we should be there. And make sure you subscribe wherever you do listen so you get these episodes directly into your feed. If you want to have a chat to us, we're at The Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time...